Hey, my friends, welcome to the Grace to Grow podcast. I am Crystal Ward, and I'm here to help busy people like you and me grow in our relationship with God today with just a few simple steps. I hope this message blesses you, that it helps you, encourages you, and most of all, that it leads you closer to Jesus. Check this out. So we're going to go straight into Psalms chapter 51, verse 17. And I like to read out of the New Living Translation, bounce back and forth between the King James, but it says, the sacrifice you desire, talking to the Lord or about the Lord, is a broken spirit. Everybody say broken. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. And then Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. The title of my sermon is called Repentance is Attractive. How about we pray? Lord, we love you tonight. We are so thankful for you, Jesus. We give you all the praise, honor, and glory. We thank you for being so good. We ask you, Lord, just to open up our hearts tonight to your word and what you would have to say to each of us. Lord, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would minister to every single one of us directly, that you would speak to every single one of us right to our heart the exact things that we need to hear, Lord. We love you, and we praise you for it in advance, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. So I'm actually going to walk off the platform for just a second because I left my illustration on the chair. I like to do illustrated sermons. I was a uh, teacher, a high school teacher for seven years. So y'all all get homework today. I love homework. All right, so here I have two magnets. I found these magnets in the drawer the other day, and Evan was playing with them. He thought they were so cool. I have a three, well, he's just turned four, actually, four-year-old, and he was moving them all around the floor and all around the chair, and he was, uh, you know, like making them repel each other, and he just thought that was so cool, and I thought, wow, what a great illustration for what I believe the Lord has for us tonight. If you see, we have two magnets, right? And these magnets do what? They attract, right? The closer you get like this, right? And it attracts the other magnet. If I had two really giant magnets, I wouldn't even have to hold them very far apart because they would pull each other, right? And so what I want to say to you tonight, we talked about, or we, I told you that the title of my sermon is Repentance is Attractive, right? Repentant hearts, just like these magnets, are attractive to the presence of God. When you develop a repentant heart, and we'll talk about what that means in just a little bit, it's like the presence of God comes running to you. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that incredible that at any point in time, the presence of the Lord will come running to wherever you are? Does that sound like something you want? Sounds like something I want. And so let's talk about that. I showed you two verses in Psalms. I'm going to put them up on the screen side by side in the King James Version. I have never seen these two scriptures together before. 
I've always seen them as talking about two separate things. And so we read them in the New Living Translation. And do we have notes? I see some of you guys have notes. If you don't have notes, just, just lift your hand up. And ushers, anybody that you see with their hands up, if you wouldn't mind just handing them notes pages. Um, because I want to make sure that you have these notes so that you can practice this in your time. If you need a pen, just keep your hand raised. They'll get you a pen, no problem. Some people have multiple hands raised. Look, I told y'all I was a teacher. Do you know how excited that makes me when you take notes? Like, it gets me all giddy inside. I was a history teacher at that. Lots of notes. All right, awesome job, the ushers. Thank you so much. So we're gonna look at these two verses. We're gonna, we're gonna like pair them together. Psalm 51, 17, I didn't put it in the King James Version on your notes. You can just look up on the screen. It says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, oh God, you will not despise. So when I've seen that verse before, I've always thought about that verse in relationship to repentance. It is an Old Testament scripture about repentance. It's a very common verse. But then when I came to Psalm 34, I've never seen this verse about repentance before. It says in the King James Version, the Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. I've always heard that verse talk about the Lord is close to the brokenhearted or the sad right? And when we're sad, the Lord is close to us. And that is very true. But if you notice in these two verses, one talking about repentance, one talking about sadness or a broken heart, they're actually using the exact same Hebrew words. And so you can see how if you compare these two verses together, the Lord is nigh or the Lord is close to a repentant heart. Do you see that? Isn't that incredible? And so let's define repentance. I want you to say something before we define it. Say, a repentant heart is attractive to the Lord. See, some of y'all thought I was going to tell y'all how to look good when I say repentance is attractive. That's not what I meant. Although if you have a repentant heart, you do actually look better on the outside, just so you know that. Um, But repentance is attractive to the Lord. So let's define, what does it even mean? What does repentance even mean? Because typically in churches, repentance is defined as apologizing for sin. Have you heard that before? Like when you repent, you say, Lord, forgive me for my sin. And that is absolutely true. I do that every day, every single morning. I go before the Lord in my prayer time and I say, Lord, I just ask you to forgive me and to cleanse me this morning to make me clean and right before you. I even do that almost every time I pray, not every single time, but I repent for sin, I apologize for sin, and I ask the Lord to forgive me and clean me almost every time I go before him. But can I tell you something? Apologizing for sin is only the very tip of the repentance iceberg. It's only the very start of a repentant lifestyle. You can actually live a lifestyle of repentance all day, every day. You can develop a repentant heart and you can walk in a repentant heart. 
Apologizing and asking for forgiveness for sin is good and it's the very start, but there is more to it. And if you will learn, learn how to turn yourself to the Lord and turn your heart to the Lord, I'm telling you wherever you are, every single time you do it, the presence of God will rush to where you are. And you can enter into the presence of the Lord at any given moment, at any given time, wherever you are, in the bathroom if you want to. Isn't that amazing? So let's look at an example in Scripture. So I gave you some Old Testament Scriptures. Oh, no, we were defining repentance. I got ahead of myself. Let's continue to completely define repentance, and then we'll go into some examples. So uh, apologizing for sin is only the very start. So in the Old Testament, one of the ways repentance is defined in the Old Testament is contrite. We heard it in the, the verse we read a minute ago, right? And that word contrite in the Hebrew means to be crushed. Wow, this is exciting. Yes, that's what I want, Lord. Right? But that's what it means, crushed. But if you think about that, something that is crushed, if I had like a, a jar of sand or something beside me and it was crushed, it's soft, right? It's tender. It's moldable. So in the Old Testament definition, a repentant heart is a soft and a tender heart, right? So when our heart gets hard, before the Lord, and it's not easily moved by God, it's not repentant. It's like a, a rock. But a repentant heart, according to the Old Testament definition, is soft. It's crushed, kind of like sand, right? Well, in the New Testament definition for repentance is the word metanoio in Greek, metanoio. So you have meta, which means to transform, and noio, your thinking, transform the thinking. But it even has a bigger definition than that. See, what it's talking about is when we are not repentant, we have our own direction that we're heading. We're going this way, right? But when we repent, we have a transformation of our thinking and we turn ourselves towards the Lord. That is authentic repentance. Authentic repentance is not, Lord, forgive me. I mean, if you mean it in your heart, that is, but I hear a lot of Christians that are like, Lord, forgive me, but. You ever heard that? It's like a Southern way of excusing sin, right? God, forgive me, but. That baby is ugly. Or <laughs> God, forgive me, but. And then profanity comes out, right? Have y'all heard that, right? We're all, we, we live in the South. Okay, so apologizing, true repentance is not God forgive me, but. That's not true repentance, okay? True repentance is I was heading my way, but Lord, I transform and now I turn myself towards you and I'm going your way. So look, let's combine those two definitions together, right? Old Testament is a soft and tender heart, a soft heart towards the Lord. One of the ways that, that I know that my heart is soft, and please, I'm not trying to put this definition on you. It's my gauge, so to speak. One of the ways I know if my heart is tender is 
I cry, not like a baby, but if I can never be emotional in the presence of the Lord, I'm never moved by the presence of God, then maybe something is wrong with my heart. Maybe my heart is hard. And I'm not saying that you have to cry to have a tender heart. I'm not saying that. I just am saying about myself. When I get in the presence of the Lord, if I am not moved in my heart by the presence of God, then maybe my heart is wrong. And pastor actually taught me something that I've used for years. Um, So simple, but it works so well. Sometimes when our hearts are wrong, we think we just got to push harder. Like, I just got to press in harder. Like, and nothing is really happening. Have you ever felt that before? Like, you're really trying to pray, or you're really trying to worship, and it's like, and it's not, it's not going anywhere. All he says, this is what pastor taught, Lord, would you change my heart? It's so awesome. I've done it so many times where I feel like maybe my heart is wrong or my heart is hard towards the Lord or if I'm just not moved by the, by the presence of God or if I'm distracted or if I'm just callous or cold towards the Lord. My heart is hard in that time. And I can just say, Lord, I just ask you to change my heart. And I really mean it. And I'm telling you, I feel it change almost instantly after that prayer. So cool how that happens. So we're going to combine these two definitions. A soft and tender heart in the Old Testament definition and the New Testament definition of turning ourselves towards the Lord. When we develop a tender heart that says every single day, Lord, I don't want my will. I want your will, Lord. I want what you want to happen. I may have my plans. I may have my decisions, Lord, but I'm turning myself towards you and I'm developing a tender heart towards you, Lord. If we can walk like that, Every day, I'm telling you, the presence of God is there in an instant, and it's amazing. Just like those magnets, where'd they go? Just like the magnets, right, that were attractive to each other. When we develop a repentant heart, the Lord rushes in every single time. I love it. I'm so thankful for that. So look, let's look at an example in the New Testament. um, You may have heard of the story of the prodigal son. If you haven't, we're about to read it. No worries. Luke chapter 15. I actually was able to get the whole thing on your notes page. So it's all right there for you. Luke chapter 15. Before we read the story of the prodigal son, I want to back up just one verse before it starts. So in Luke chapter 15, we find Jesus and he's teaching about repentance, metanoia in the Greek. And he's giving all of these parables about repentance. And one of these parables is called um, the parable of the lost coin. And it's about a widow who loses her coin in her house and she can't find it anywhere. And she's searching everywhere. And she calls her friends and says, it must've been a really important coin. And she's looking for this coin all over her house and she finally finds it. And it says in Luke 15, 10, in the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. Wow, isn't that cool? Repent. In the Greek, metanoio. That's what that that word is there. 
And so then in verse 11, Jesus is now going to start another parable or another story, which is the parable of the prodigal son. And it says in verse 11, to illustrate this point further, what point? The point of how much God loves metanoia or repentance, right? To illustrate that further, Jesus told them this story. Now, I wasn't going to read the whole story of the prodigal, but it's just too good. Is it okay if we like read some scripture, right? You came to church to worship and to hear scripture, right? So look, we're going to read because it's just really, really good. So verse 11, verse 12, we already read verse 11. Well, at the end of verse 11, it says, to illustrate this point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. Wow. So we see how his heart is not tender. Do you see that? That's not a tender heart. He has a a hard or stony heart, right? And then it says, So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. Verse 13, a few days later, this younger son packed all of his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. Okay, so now you see he has not metanoioed. I don't know what the correct way to say that in the Greek We're going to call it metanoioed. We're going to say it like that. He did not metanoio. He was going his way, right? And so he did not have a tender heart. He had a hard heart. And he was not going God's way, which would have been to honor his father. Instead, he's going his way, right? All right, so let's see what happens. I love verse 14 because this is exactly the way it happens. It says that he, well, in verse 13, he wasted all of his money in wild living. In verse 14, about the time the money ran out, a great famine swept over the land. Isn't that the way it happens? Don't go your own way, because right about the time whatever you have runs out is where you hit that brick wall, right? God's way is so much better. It says a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. Now, what we often don't know about this story is that pigs were not kosher to a Jew. Pigs were um, forbidden. They were unclean. So for this young man to feed the pigs would have been the lowest of the low, for this young man. It wouldn't have gotten any lower. No respectable Jew would have done this job. That's what happens when the money runs out. And it says, verse 16, the young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. Verse 17, and when he finally came to his senses, wait, I gotta, man, I gotta say this. If you're gonna go your own way, can I just tell you, it is going to get hard. If you are going to decide to follow your plan and not God's plan, I'm telling you, be prepared for that road to be rough. Here's the thing, when you go God's road, 
It does not mean that it is always easy, but it does mean that the Lord is always with you and his grace is on you. And he walks that road side by side. In fact, he even goes before you, ahead of you on that road. So if you're going to go your own way, just know that it's going to be rough, it's going to be lonely, and it's going to be hard. But if you will turn and go God's way, his grace, his presence, his goodness, his faithfulness will be with you wherever you go, no matter how hard or how good it gets. That's a good place to say amen. That was just for free. It wasn't even in the notes. All right, verse 17. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So there you see apologizing for sin is the first step, right? So it's not that it's it's not that it's not a good thing to do. It is step 1, but it's not the only thing to do. So you see he started by by developing a repentant heart and saying, "Lord, forgive me of my sins or in in the story his father." And then it goes on to say in verse 20 Well, and you see like in verse 18 and verse 19, you see him developing that soft and tender heart, right? Sometimes when we go our own way, the Lord in his goodness and in his graciousness will allow us to walk through really tough things so that our hearts become tender and become soft. I've seen that in my own life when my heart was hard towards the Lord or or unresponsive or just junky, then I've gone through difficult things in my life, not that the Lord punished me or the Lord did those things, but allowed me to walk through those things. Why? To change my heart. And boy, it sure did. And so we see the young man developing a soft and tender heart, and then we see him, so he returned to his father. He turned from his own way and headed towards his father. Y'all see that? And then it says... Wow. And then it says, um, I love this. So he's returning home to his father, right? What's the father going to do? This is probably the best part of the whole, I don't know. It's scripture. All of it's amazing, but I love this part. And it says, while he was still a long way off, that means his father was watching for him. That father was scanning the horizon watching for his son, not knowing when his son was going to return, but hoping that he would and waiting for him to return and, and, and even aching for his son to return back home. And it says that while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son. Now, one of the things that we don't often read in this passage is that a patriarch of a Jewish family group does not run. They, they wore like dresses. They didn't wear jeans like we wear, right? Or pants or shorts, like some, you know. They, they wore uh, robes. 
And so if he were to run, he would undignify himself. He may expose parts of his body that are supposed to be covered, right? And it, it, it was not customary ever for a patriarch to run. But this father was watching for his son. And when he saw him, took off running towards his son and he embraced him and he kissed him. Sometimes I wonder, like, let's, let's read his response first. It says, um, filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, he embraced him and he kissed him. His, his son said to him, father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. Notice this, that the repentance wasn't in his heart only. The repentance came out of his mouth. You see that? Confession needs to come between you and the Lord. Not like a confessional, like, I'm not talking about Catholic confessional with the priest and you're confessing all of your sins, but confession of sin needs to come out of your mouth to the Father, to the Lord. It's good to do. It's very good. Whenever I, whenever I ask the Lord to forgive me in the morning, it may be quiet, but it's always verbal. It, it may not be like I'm loud about it. I, I might whisper it, but it is vocal. It is me confessing sin towards the Lord and asking for forgiveness. It's, that's a good and healthy thing to do. He says, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. And it's almost like the father, it reads like this, like he was like, uh-huh. And he, he, it's like he didn't even listen. I, you know what I wonder? I wonder if maybe the father saw his repentant heart before he ever said anything. I don't know about you, but I can look at my kids and I can see their heart if I'm really trying. I can see when they have a soft and tender heart and I can see when they don't. Can you? We can, right? And so I wonder if the father saw the sorrow and the repentance on his son before the son ever even opened his mouth. Because the father doesn't even wait for his response. It says, but his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Kill the, the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and now he has returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And it says, "Let." and so the party began. And I wanna tell you this, look, if you feel like you haven't been walking with the Lord in the way that you want to walk with him, know that this is the father's response towards you. Some, like, I can be an overachiever. Those who know me, no need to say amen, okay? I, I'm, I just am. It's just part of my personality. I always want to do things right. I always want to excel. I always want to achieve. Sometimes whenever I'm not walking with the Lord as closely as I would like, I tend to beat myself up about it. I don't know if you do that, but I have seen that. I'm not the only one that does that. I know I can't be. And the Father does not do that to me, though. When I get before the Lord, I don't know that I have ever felt him saying to me, why didn't you pray more? I just, I don't know. I really feel like most of the time, now sometimes he will tell me, you really, you, you, need, to, you need to feed your spirit more. 
but it'll be gentle and it'll be encouraging. I've never felt him hammer me in my prayer time. And it's almost like when I go to be with the Lord, he's just really glad I'm there. That's the way I feel lately when I pray. I just feel like he's like, I, I just really, I just really want to be with you. I'm just really glad you're here. I'm just really glad to spend time with you. And there's nothing special about me. That's the way he feels about every single one of his children. Every single time you go to him, his reaction is this father. Isn't that cool? Doesn't that make you want to go to him more? Like sometimes we feel like he's Zeus with a lightning bolt, right? He's not. He's not. He's a gentle, loving, and perfect father. And so the party began. So cool. So that is an example of metanoia, according to Jesus. I just want to give you, I'm not even going to talk about each of them because we already have, but four quick points on repentance that we see from the prodigal son. And you have them right there on your notes on the back at the bottom. We've already talked about number one, a repentant heart causes the father to run to you. Number two, a repentant heart makes relationships right. So you see how the son and the father were restored again. Number three, a repentant heart precedes honor. If you're the kind of person that honor and respect is very important to you, many of us are. A repentant, a soft and tender heart makes you, makes you become the kind of person that the Lord can put honor on, right? So like with my kids, I can't honor my children when their heart is nasty and wrong, right? Like if they have an ugly heart, I can't bless them and honor them because I would then be affirming that wrong heart, right? But if they have a soft and a tender and a responsive heart, that's the kid I can bless and I want to bless. Does that make sense? So repentance precedes honor. And number four, a repentant heart prepares for the Lord's refreshing. Pastor quoted this verse on Sunday. We're not gonna read it. It's just in your notes from Acts 3.19. It says, repent so that times of refreshing can come. And that's what happened with that son, right? He was down and out, lowest of the low, but he goes home and the father lavishes on him, right? The times of refreshing can come. And that's what a repentant heart. Have you ever noticed that when you go to church and you don't feel so good before you go to church, and then you leave church and all of a sudden you feel amazing? Like, I don't even feel bad anymore. Like what happened? The Lord healed me. And he might have. You can go ahead and come up worship team. He might have. But Romans 8 says that the spirit of God gives life to your mortal body. So if a repentant heart is attractive to the spirit of God, and the Spirit of God gives life to your mortal body. Therefore, we can see how the, a repentant heart makes way for the Lord's refreshing. Does that make sense? It prepares the way for the refreshing of the Lord. All right, I promised you I would tie it into the holidays. 
because it's December. We shouldn't be talking about repentance in December. We should be talking about joy and lights and festive things and, and warm, fuzzy stuff, not crushing and repentance. Here's the deal. One time I was in a service and it was in December at the, this church I was, I was in at the time. And we were in worship and worship was D-E-D dead. Yeah, just like that. And I remember, and, and even myself, I was having a really hard time worshiping. I, man, I was just having a really hard time entering in. I was just dry. Everybody else was too. Ain't nobody feeling it. And I remember at one point in time, like, what is going on? Why is this so dry? Because at the church I was in at the time, it wasn't, that was not the norm. And I realized it was because it was December that we were all fat and lazy and not very spiritual. And we weren't entering into the presence of the Lord. We had developed stony, hard hearts. Because why? What do we want to do during the holidays? We want the warm, fuzzy stuff. We want the apple cider and the hot cocoa and the Christmas story and fill in the blank in your favorite Christmas movie. My family's favorite Christmas movie are the Home Alone movies. We are Home Alone experts. We want to do all of those things. We want to eat all of the junk, right? Bring me all of the food. And all of those things are fine. I do those things too. I love a good Christmas chick flick on, on Netflix. I really do. But here's the deal. When we look to those things and we turn ourselves to those things and we are not maintaining a soft and tender heart towards the Lord, our heart can become hard. And then what we are actually looking for in the holidays are these special memories. They're not quite so special anymore. But I promised you I would tell you how to have the best Christmas ever, right? If you will develop and maintain a tender heart towards the Lord, a repentant heart, a heart that is turned towards God, then the Spirit of God will come upon you and come upon your house and upon your family. And then in that moment, when you're building those gingerbread cookie houses, it will be an amazing memory. Why? Because the Spirit of God is on it. Then when you're sitting around with your family and you're watching those Christmas movies and you're drinking hot chocolate, the Spirit of God will be there and it will make all of those memories better than they ever could have been without the Lord. So I wanna challenge you. Why don't you stand with me? I wanna challenge you tonight Let's develop repentant hearts. And here's the thing is, this is something you can do over and over and over. I don't know if your heart can ever be too tender or too turned towards God, right? So you may have had times of repentance during worship, but what's so cool is that you can do it over and over and over again. Turn yourself towards the Lord over and over again and experience the presence of God come in.
And I wanna challenge you during this holiday season to develop and maintain a repentant heart, a heart that is tender and not stony, a heart that's turned towards God and says, Lord, I want whatever you want. I wanna go your way, amen? And watch this be the best Christmas you've ever seen. I really believe it. Do you believe it? So why don't we do that now? Why don't you just bow your head and close your eyes? If you like to lift your hands in worship, it's a beautiful sign of a tender heart towards the Lord. Lifting your hands in worship shows a surrender to the Lord. And tonight, let me just start with this. If you don't feel like you're right with God, if you've never committed your life to Jesus, you've never given your heart to Him, or maybe tonight if you may feel far from Him, let's start with apologizing for sin and asking His forgiveness. Let's start with getting our hearts clean and right. Why don't you just follow me? Let's just say this after me. I'm just gonna help you with the words, but you're gonna have to talk to the Lord yourself. It's gonna have to be your words to the Lord. But if you mean it, He will honor it. Everyone say this with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I give my heart to you. I give my whole life to you. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to cleanse me. I ask you to wipe away every sin. Lord Jesus, I turn away from my way and I turn myself towards you. I wanna go your way, Jesus. I ask you to show me what that is. I wanna follow you. And I thank you for saving me and making me clean. In Jesus' name. Oh my goodness, we thank you, Jesus, so much. Scripture says that when one sinner repents, there's a party in heaven. So if you gave your life to Jesus for the first time tonight, or if you re regave your life to Jesus, recommitted your life to Jesus, everybody close your eyes, nobody looking around. I'd like to see your hands because I'd like to see who's responsible for a party in heaven tonight. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you for every soul, Lord every heart, Lord, in Jesus' name. So now, Lord, we ask you to change our hearts. We ask you to make them soft hearts, not stony hearts. As we lift our hands to you and we lift our hearts to you, we ask you to forgive us and cleanse us, Lord, and we ask you just to change our heart and make it moldable and shapeable, Lord. Now, Lord, we give ourselves to you and we turn our hearts and our intention towards you, Lord. We humble ourselves towards you. Just do that right now. Just, just turn your heart towards the Lord and surrender to his way. Watch the presence of the Lord rush into you as you turn yourself towards him. I 
I thank you, Father, for every heart in this place in the name of Jesus. I thank you for every life, Lord, in Jesus' name. Actually, I'm going to be quiet for just a minute. I'm going to let you talk to Jesus for a second. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you're dealing, Lord, with every heart, Father, and turning us towards you. Thank you for times of refreshing, Lord. your spirit over every person in this house. We receive you now in Jesus' name, the presence of the Lord. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for your presence, Lord, in the name of Jesus. We thank you for the move of God in every family, in every life, Lord, in Jesus' name. We thank you that you would honor us with your presence, Lord. We thank you for your closeness, Lord, to a repentant heart, Father. Thank you, Jesus. We love you so much. Why don't you just tell him, say, I love you, Lord. I thank you, Jesus. I give you glory and honor. Just, just praise him and love on him. We love you so much, and we give you all the glory and all the praise, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, so much. Thank you for your closeness. Thank you for your closeness. Take just a second and just enjoy the closeness of the Lord. Thank you so much, Lord, for being close to us. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. It's this closeness right here that you can have at any time of the day, anytime you want to be close to the Lord. You can just turn yourself towards Him and be close to Him. We thank you, Lord. We love you so much. We give you all the praise, honor, and glory, Father. We ask you just to help us to walk in this repentant heart and repentant state during this holiday season. And we believe, Lord, that as we are close to you, it will be the best Christmas ever, Father. And we thank you for it so much. We give you all the praise, honor, and glory because you are good and you only do good. We love you so much, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Why don't you give the Lord a hand? We thank you, Lord. Well, hey, I hope you enjoyed the message today. I hope that it inspired you and that it brought you closer to Jesus. If it helped you, why don't you right now just click the subscribe button so that you can stay up to date on all of our latest podcasts. For more resources, you can go on over to crystalwart.com and connect with us on social. We want to get to know you. And we are so excited to be on this journey with you as we lean on God's grace to grow together. See you next time.